1: Hey
0: guys, there is no story time today because this is the second half of the interview with Angus Nelson that we started on Monday. I didn't want his segments split up by too many days. Story time will return again next week at its regularly scheduled time. In this episode, Angus delivers some enormous value and insight, so pay close attention. Here we go with part two. Well, there are probably some men in the audience right now whose relationships are on the brink, which is coincidentally the title of the third chapter in your book. Mm-hmm. What are some of the signs that they're on the brink, and what, what can they do about it right now today?
1: Well, the first step, I mean, if you're still with your, your partner, um, the first step is to say, you know what, um, I don't like this guy. And I want to try and change. And I want you to go, I want to go on record that I want you to hold me accountable to be a better man. That's the first thing is just, you know, what, what's the old saying? Like the first step to overcoming your problem is admitting you have one. Yep. So that's the first one. And, and that's typically the hardest um, because the first time you come clean on anything um, is when your greatest amount of fears are, are, are placed before you. And I love to say this, that every great fear is an invitation to a new reality. Anything that you've ever experienced in life that you were afraid of when you first did it, all of a sudden sets you free to do something else. The first time you walked into a classroom, the first time you walked into college, the first time you walked into a military base, the first time you, you know, said hi to that girl with the sparkling eyes, like every one of those fears caused a new reality. In the same facet, when you contend with your own ego and contend with your own sense of self, all of a sudden you are in, in, in invited into this whole realm of thinking bigger than yourself. And it's almost like in third person, you start to observe the way you interact with those around you. And you'll catch yourself in the middle of a story and, and you'll stop and say, you know what? That that was a total embellishment. You know, um, just a few weeks ago, um, Two weeks ago, I was at a conference and uh, one of my friends was introducing me to another guy that I respected. He was an influencer. It was really cool. We're, you know, kind of joking around. And I made a little joke that, you know, teased my friend and um, innocent uh, for most standards to anyone else. But for me personally, it's not my standard. My standard is I never make a joke at anyone else's expense. That's my mantra. And a couple hours later, I saw him and he was sitting down and I went over to him and it was the hardest thing, man. I mean, even though I do this stuff all the time, it's still hard. And I said, hey, can I ask you something? Um, and he's like, yeah. I said, can you forgive me? He said, for what, Angus? And I said, you know, when we were talking to that guy, blah, 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 um, I made this joke and I kind of, you know, pointed it towards you. He's like, yeah, yeah, no harm, no foul, bro. It's all good. And I said, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I totally understand that. And what I'm about to say may completely sound foolish to you, and it may not mean anything to you, but for me, I have to own this. I have committed to myself never to make anyone else be the brunt of a joke, whether it's a friend, whether it's my buddy, or whether it's my spouse. And in that moment, I made you the brunt of that joke, and I just want to say sorry because I have to own my stuff, and I'm trying to be a better man. And I got a little emotional at the end. I was like trying to hold back. You know, my eyes got a little watery. And he goes, bro, I'm an Angus fan. I, it's totally cool. Totally. I get it, man. It, totally cool. Like we went to another level.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because I
1: own something right there to another guy.
0: It's so powerful when when a guy can do that, When when we correct ourselves midstream. It's powerful not just to us but to the people that were are the targets of our correction. Authenticity is is the key to the the, the keys to the kingdom in my in my view.
1: You know, there's um, other elements too of like when you want to grow, you have to be intentional because what we know is all we know. You are the product of your experience and your environment. And sometimes we experience pain through growing up, whether it's something from a father figure, someone from a mentor, someone from a coach, or something that maybe they spoke down to us, or maybe we experienced divorce in our family, or, you know, whatever. It comes down to three things. It's something that hurt us because it's something that someone did to us, something we did to someone else, or worse, something we did to ourselves. And we walk around with guilt and shame, and inner pain that we are unwilling to contend with. And yet, those are the very things that are propelling us in our actions and our behavior. And so, the thing that I tell people is, in order for you to conquer those things, you have to get them out. And so, seeking a professional, whether it be a counselor, a therapist, a a person of the cloth, um, or a really, really, really trusted confidant, getting that stuff out, and starting to articulate what you're feeling, what you're sensing, what you're thinking, you'll start to see and observe that you are like vomiting chaos. And you're listening to your own words. It's like, I can't believe it. That's really crazy. I can't believe I thought that. And having someone to reflect it and say, hey, when you say that, are you really saying this? Is that really what you believe? You're like, well, well, no I I don't think so. We're like well that's what you said. Holy crap. Well that must be what I believe because out of your heart you will speak the words that you believe. Every one of us have our minds like a like a computer, you know, it's data driven. So what you put in is what's going to come out. I'd like to say what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, and what you talk about you ultimately will bring about. And so when you start saying words like, oh, man, I'm such a dumbass. Oh, man, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm, such, oh, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'll never get that permission. Oh, all of that is a product of programming in your mind that you are setting yourself up for your own sabotage.
0: Yeah, I agree so much. I, that's what I told my kids all growing up. I would never let them say anything self-deprecating because our brains hear it and our subconscious believes it. They don't know. I mean, hmm. and it becomes, it becomes your belief.
1: Yeah, and the last piece um, is, is something that somebody shared with me actually a few months ago, and I love this. Is They said, we all need someone outside of ourselves to read the label on our own jar. You know, we struggle to see our skills, our talents, our value um, outside of ourselves. And when you have somebody, um, that third party, you know, that you can share, they can often – show you symmetry they can show you you know where you're strong or where you're weak and they can show you um, elements that you may not know you possess both good or bad and sometimes that can be incredibly
0: empowering and that's a that's a good point a lot of times when we're in the the mind of improving ourselves we only focus on the bad things but it's really important to focus on our virtues as well and to acknowledge them everything's a balance With men, like I said, a lot of us have lost or will lose a relationship at some point in our lives, and I've noticed that when men fall out of a relationship, their first response is often negative or destructive behavior. They might become promiscuous or start drinking or doing drugs, or they might withdraw entirely from society, which ultimately harms their other relationships. And I think understanding the cause of things helps to mitigate them somewhat in the future. So what do you think's going on there? Why do some men react this way whenever they break up or lose a relationship?
1: <laughs> well, you know, the, if you read my book, you'll find out I'm an absolute product of what you just described. You know, I, I love to say this. I, there are fewer things more delicate on this earth than the male ego. We tend to place way too much value on our performance. Again, going back to what I was saying before about perfection, you know, we think we need to be perfect. We think that our performance, um, what we do, is who we are. When you go to a cocktail um, meeting, you know, go to a networking event, you go to a, a, a anything a conference, you shake someone's hand. Hey, Alf, I'm Angus. Nice to meet you. So, Alf, what do you do? And that question sets up a measurement of performance and whether you are valuable, whether you are worthwhile, whether you have something to offer. And I think it's altogether the wrong question. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Man, what gets you up in the morning? What makes you passionate? Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll meet somebody and my first question is this. It'll be something like, what's the most passionate thing you've done in the last six months? And it always puts people on their heels like, didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you see, uh, most passionate, six months. You know, and it, A, it helps them remember you because nobody's going ask to ask, ask that question to them again. So it's a pretty cool, powerful networking term. Um, but it also causes them to go to a different level to say, you're different. That's pretty amazing. And then third, they actually get to connect with something beyond their performance, so, when you come to a relationship that breaks down and we're about our performance, now what happens is because of our weak you know, ego or because of our lack of confidence in ourselves, what we will do is we will then act on the way that we feel because your mind always seeks equilibrium. So, internally, psychologically, what you'll do is you'll say, I'm a failure. Internally, you'll say, I suck internally you'll say i'm worth nothing to nobody terrible grammar but you know what i mean and so as such if that's my internal monologue then my external response is to validate and qu- create equilibrium with that internal mindset so i will make action through alcohol through drugs through promiscuity through all of those different things to then say see see i told you i'm a Jacked up, whatever. I told you I'm a failure. See? And we put all of that pressure on ourselves. And worse is we ruminate on it, we chew on it, and we cannot let go. It's interesting to me that it seems women have an easier way of compartmentalizing some of that stuff emotionally. And men, we compartmentalize stuff about business and sports and all these other things. But when it comes to those romantic relationships, man, we just fall apart like a $2 suitcase. And you know, we we attract more of that pain. It's an element of when you feel that weak and then you go into a pub in that weakness, you'll attract the worst flies available. The most insecure, powerless other human beings and then two miserable human beings will join in coitus (laughs) to wallow in our pain. It's such a sad story, and it happens all the time.
0: Yeah, I can testify that is true. Um, In my younger years, uh, after my first divorce, man, I, I, I would ask my friends, why do I keep attracting the craziest women on the planet? Why? What's happening? And ultimately... I realized I had to change my own energy to attract other types of people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, completely true what you're saying. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going back to that, you know, attracting what we are, you know, in order for those relationships to change, those dynamics to be different, you have to get to a place where you start feeding that computer more healthy and powerful elements of reality. It may take months, it may take years, but I promise you, if you start contending with that chaos and start reading books that are, you know, more about self-help, more that's positivity, more that's, you know, mindfulness, you start those practices, it is just a matter of time before A, you start feeling good about yourself, and B, you start attracting people that are at the higher echelon that you have now achieved. You said something really awesome, you know if we scratch our head saying, you know it feels like I'm dating the same person over and over again, just with a different face yeah it's because we're attracting the people that meet that pain. If I feel like I suck, I will date someone who validates my suckiness, and they will make me feel even crappier about myself, yeah. But if you start loving yourself and you start getting the place of becoming, you know, invigorated and passionate about life, you'll start attracting other individuals who feel the same. Yeah,
0: and that this kind of leads into my next question because in my own experience, like I just said, I've had many, many failed relationships and they were usually a result of me choosing badly or like you said – you know, just projecting my own pain on the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to truly believe for a while that I was one of those people intended at my creation to just be a solitary person, that there was mm-hmm. no one for me out there. But the moment I accepted that kind of and started just being happy with who I was and and living life with no expectations of other people, just really enjoying my life and being an alf, that's the moment that I met my love. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of similar stories from other people. What do you think about that phenomenon?
1: Um, So I'm talking to someone right now who is going through a divorce. And um, again, so painful, so sad, so tragic. And what I'm trying to harp into his mind is that the only thing that matters about him right now is him. You know, in the same way that um, I would say, you know, that you want to um, invest in yourself and, and read good books and, you know, go to good events and stuff like that. Like, there is something to be said for bringing yourself separate from needing someone. Because when you get to that level of, again, nothing to gain, nothing to prove, you walk in quiet confidence. Right. You know you start to take ownership of who you are and what you're about, what your legacy is going to be, that personal development. It becomes that critical component of growth and opportunity and fulfillment and success. And when you expose yourself to that kind of challenge or learning and you change um, you know, the, uh, a sense of humility – And let me define that humility, you know, it's that appropriate self-awareness and objectivity to your own weakness and harness of your own strengths, right? And so you start to see your gifts, talents, and skills as a way to offer to the world. When you're in that kind of isolation, it's not isolation away and apart. It's isolation of owning and taking responsibility for you. That kind of um, intention becomes pretty attractive (laughs) to other people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And there's few and far between of men who operate on that level or that echelon of of humanity. And young ladies who see that and say, huh, who's that guy? (laughs) You know? um, That stuff becomes super powerful and holy cow, like when I operate in that, like my wife is like because they see in that man something that like you said before
0: is admirable. Yep, and and you're right. It is pretty pretty rare nowadays. I'm, I had to get to, you know, like 45 years old before I even started discovering that part of myself because I was so busy repairing all the damage from all my past relationships and choices. Mm. But once you can just be happy about who you are and and you got nothing to prove, you're just going out in the day in your own power, like you say, that's really attractive.
1: You don't have to manipulate anything, right? Right. If it's not about your performance and it's not about you know, power, but it's just presence, like, gosh, that person walks in the room and people take notice. That's a pretty powerful reality. And that's something that I quest for all the time. Um, i th- I like to think that that 's my calling card is I walk into a room and I automatically make people feel safe yeah me, um,
0: me too that 's kind of m- one of my things you know' it's it 's a
1: pretty powerful thing
0: it really is the The courage to be yourself a lot of people think they are supposed to act a certain way i This is just part of who i am i 'm a human being. we have emotions for a reason it 's okay to use them
1: yeah and and I think you know even with my son. It's something that we try and, you know, emulate too is that it's okay to show emotion, that emotion is not weakness. You know what weakness is facade. Anything you're doing that's not the real you, that's truly weakness. Yeah. Having emotion is not weakness. It's it's a boldness and it's it's a courage and it's a stability because you're comfortable sharing. But at its core, um, I believe that showing emotion is a super powerful powerful um, thing to model for the world.
0: Yeah, well, and it connects to other people because other people have emotions, and when they mm-hmm. see genuine emotion, they, they understand it. They connect to it on a biological level, if mm-hmm. that's if that's the right description. Well, a common theme I often repeat on being a better man is that the most precious, valuable possessions that we have in life are our relationships, not just the romantic ones, but family and friend relationships as well. What are your thoughts on this, and how are non-romantic relationships similar, or how are they different from the romantic ones? Do we is there anything different we need to do?
1: Um, I think one of the hardest things for a lot of men um, is having good dudes in their lives. Like we have good like beer drinking friends, or we have good bowling league friends, or we have good you know pool league friends or fantasy football league friends. um, It's a little bit harder for us to have dudes, the guy that's in our corner that knows our stuff. um, There's a handful of dudes (laughs) who I like to think we trade daggers. Like I share with them stuff that if other people were to share that could hurt me, you know, either on a public level or a relational level, like whatever Um, they got my back. And they share with me their daggers. And that level of trust and vulnerability helps us cope with the elements and struggles in our lives in a healthy fashion. It helps us hold each other accountable. And it helps push us to be better men. And those are elements of relationship that are outside of romance that I think are some of the most invigorating and compelling relationships.
0: Well, we're... About getting out of time today, but one final question. Just speaking directly to the Being a Better Man audience, what's the main thing you would like them to take away? What, in your opinion, is the most vital bit of information that you could send them off with for this episode?
1: Um, You know, I think at the end of the day, um, trying to perform, trying to manufacture, trying, trying, trying harder. is the worst formula for any kind of personal change, transformation, or gaining relationship. Um, it's none of this happens because you, you strive for it. It happens because you yield to it. And what I mean by that is getting to a place where you understand that the world is bigger than you that you understand that you've got something inside you that you have to get out and something inside of you to give. From that place, you can yield to who you are on a whole different transparent level. You're going to need an outsider, and you're going to need some guidance, i.e. books, events, counseling You know, you you find what works for you. Or podcast. Or (laughs) podcast. But at the end of the day, if you will put in the intention to be the better man, and if you're listening to this today, you're already attracting this to you, is because that's why you're listening. You know there's something more that you want to be a part of. And what I would say to you is yield to it and watch the serendipity of life start to present you with opportunities to learn. And it's almost like life is preparing you for what life is prepared for you. You'll run into people and have conversations you never thought you would have. You'll see books on a shelf that will just kind of pop out to you that you never thought would get your attention otherwise. And you'll run across some YouTube video you never thought you were going to watch. Like serendipity will bring about the very thing you've set your intention for. So yield to it.
0: Yeah, I like the way you started that with trying is not the answer. <laughs> and Like if I would have named my podcast Trying to Be a Better Man, it wouldn't have worked. It's being. Right? It's the, yeah. the difference between trying and being.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, not to use something trite, but, you know, The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, she clicks her heels. There's no place like home. Realizing that everything she was questing for was something already inside her is the metaphor for life itself. Yes. I... We are so busy trying to become instead of just being what we already are. We don't think we're X, Y, or Z, and so we strive to be that, not understanding that we already are that X, Y, and Z. Yes. Uh, I tell
0: people that all the time in my, in my personal walk of life, that you were endowed at your creation with everything you need. It's all in there. You just have to discover it and use it well thank you so much for being on the show today and thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience with all these guys out here lots of value bombs and i'll try to get them all into the uh, show notes as well and i'm sure some of them want to follow up with you and see what else you you're up to so tell us the best way somebody could stay in touch with angus nelson and tell us about your podcast and tell us about your new book coming out what's that all about too
1: Sure. Uh, in a nutshell, angusnelson.com will take you to everything that's coming down the pike. Uh, my podcast is available there as well. It's called Up Your Business Building You to Do Business Better and deals with that emotional and psychological elements to be successful as well as a little bit of business acumen and insight uh, tied in. Um, The other component of that, my next book, is called Empowering Work, Dealing with the Future of Work, where there will be less full-time employees and more contract labor. And what kind of disruption is that going to bring? There's no more getting out of college, taking a job, 25 years, and a gold watch. That went away a long time ago, we know. But now the average length that a a young person will spend in a job is 2.8 years. The average uh, um, older uh, being myself would be like uh, a Gen Xer is somewhere around four uh, years, just shy of that. It's actually 3.8. And so now with the turnover of employment, uh, and the opportunity of technology introducing artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality, et cetera, it's strongly going to disrupt our workforce. So the book takes a look at what is it, you know, what's happening, that's all the business components of the threats and opportunity. And then the second component of it is what do you do about that, whether you're on the corporate side and business side, how do you lead, or on the individual side, how do you manage your own brand, your reputation, and your network? And then the last component of all of it has to do with self-awareness. And that is the magic that's going to pull all this together. Corporations are no longer going to be able to uh, interact with their employees from a place of uh, bureaucratic bulliness because people don't have as many golden handcuffs any longer. Hmm. So they're going to have to have a human quotient in how they interact with their contract employees and vice versa. You're going to see collaboration being one of the um, major factors for contractors working because being independent won't be near as powerful as having a network of people with great um, um, emphasis on their um, not just generalities but specific talents and skills.
0: That sounds really fascinating and super relevant to the audience of this show as well. So when you get that when you get that out, let me know. I'll pop it up on my resource page sure absolutely so guys can find it easy Mm -hmm. yeah well thanks again angus uh thank you so much and uh i hope everybody paid close attention to everything angus said because uh there's a lot of value in this in this talk today it's my pleasure all right thank you very much you bet have an awesome day well that is the conclusion of the conversation with Angus Nelson that we started on Monday. I think you can see why I decided to break it up into two halves. He delivered an incredible amount of wisdom and insight. All the links for Angus are in the show notes for this episode, number 110. I would really love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and you can write me over at the website beingabettermanpodcast.com. And hey, like I told you on Monday, it would be really awesome if you could go to Angus's page at AngusNelson.com and say hello, or his Twitter. Tell him you heard about him on Being a Better Man. Thanks to my Patreon patrons for supporting this show. If you'd like to become a supporter, you can find a link to that page and our other affiliates and sponsors in the show notes page as well. Now head out into the big wide world and remember, like Angus said, every great fear is an invitation to a new reality. By conquering that fear and claiming the reality you want, you will be a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad, signing out.